Our learning objective is to discuss other aspects of investment selection, including investment effort, minimum investment size, ethical and moral issues, different tax treatments, and concentrated portfolios. Now, with regard to investment effort, there are some investments which require quite a bit of effort. For example, investing in real estate. So if you buy an apartment unit, uh, you're going to have a lot of work on your hands in terms of maintaining the apartment complex. Other securities like just buying stocks, uh, particularly if you believe in that the, that the market is semi-strong efficient and therefore there's not a lot of reason to monitor your stocks on a daily basis, then there's relatively little effort involved and it becomes a much simpler investment. We have to remember that some investments involve minimum investment size and depending on the nature of the investment, sometimes it's as much as a million dollars minimum investment size, so uh, that eliminates some of those investments uh, from consideration for most of us. A very important point is the reconciliation of the optimal asset allocation with the optimal tax efficient allocation. Remember, we talked about the fact that from pure tax efficiency, you want to hold bonds in a qualified account and equities in a non-qualified. However, you can't just add money to your qualified account. You are limited in how much money you can add to your qualified account each year, and therefore the, the allocation of your portfolio between qualified and non-qualified may not exactly match the optimal uh, tax efficiency and uh, it also may not match up to your optimal uh, portfolio from a risk tolerance perspective. So uh, ultimately there has to be some sort of trade-off between tax efficiency and optimal risk uh, tolerance. A problem that sometimes arises for people is concentrated portfolios that we have uh, alluded to earlier. There is no legal definition as to what constitutes a concentrated portfolio. We simply know it when we see it. Now, if you have a concentrated portfolio, uh, the problem with it, of course, is it introduces substantial non-business risk, non-systematic risk. So you have substantial risk exposure with no expectation of a return to compensate you for that risk exposure. Now, if you have a concentrated portfolio, then the question becomes, what can you do about it? And for a financial planner, you do need to think about what can you do about the risk, the non-systematic risk in concentrated portfolios. If the concentrated portfolio is in a qualified account, then the solution is very simple. If it's in a qualified account, you can sell a lot of your concentrated holding and reinvest it and there are no tax consequences as long as it's all kept within your qualified account. In some cases, uh, the, the concentrated holding may be in a non-qualified account, 
but it occasionally turns out that the value of the investment may actually be below the cost basis. So the, you may find that a client, um, although he, ha he or she has a concentrated portfolio, it currently has an unrealized loss. Well, you can sell some, some of it, a substantial portion, and get the tax benefits of recognizing the capital loss. So that's, that's a fairly easy solution. Another possibility is if the concentrated portfolio is in a non-qualified account, just sell some of it. Now, I appreciate that will generate uh, a capital gains tax on the portfolio, on the sale, but keep in mind that at this point in time, we are probably witnessing the lowest capital gains tax that uh, we will see uh, for many, many years. And so it may be the best time to simply bite the bullet and pay the capital gains tax. Of course, that has to be traded off with the possibility that if the investor uh, subsequently dies, then the portfolio would be uh, 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 inherited at, at a stepped-up basis, and the capital gain completely would completely go away. Although, of course, you may be facing estate tax problems. Now, if none of these uh, solutions work, then there's always the possibility of using some sort of option contract positions to limit the risk exposure from the concentrated portfolio. Another issue that's very imp important to many investors are, is the ethical and moral appeal of the investment. There is, there is no uniform agreement as to what constitutes ethical or moral investing. Uh, it has nothing to do with illegal activity. So when somebody says, I I'm, I'm only want ethical investments, it doesn't mean don't invest in companies that use piracy. Uh, what it normally means is there are certain business activities that I don't agree with, such as uh, being a strong anti-labor uh, uh, business, uh, a business that uh, sells alcohol, a business that engages in gambling activity. A lot of people don't like the companies that produce cigarettes. So the most commonly rejected stocks uh, under the uh, ethical and moral appeal criteria uh, are what we call the sin stocks. So when we refer to sin stocks, that is normally means alcohol, tobacco, and gambling. There is no evidence that uh, using ethical and moral criteria in selecting investments impacts the risk return uh, characteristics of the investor's portfolio. Now this may seem a little odd to say that if you are going to start the investment process by eliminating certain stocks from holding that you will only end up holding a subset of potential stocks, that that surely mean, must mean 
you're going to end up with less potential return or more risk. Well, it turns out that there is no uniform agreement, again, on ethical and moral appeal. So just because some people don't want to invest in sin stocks, other people may use ethical and moral criteria, but sin stocks are okay. It's other types of investments that they uh, are concerned about. And so uh, ultimately there's some, somebody ends up holding these uh, different stocks and so collectively there, there appears to be no uh, significant impact. It is important for planners to remember that they must accept whatever issues the client brings to the table. So no matter how silly or absurd the planner may think that a client's concerns about ethical and moral issues are, that becomes part of the starting point in making the investment decision. Let's consider some true-false questions. Almost all socially responsible investors agree as to which stocks should not be held. That, of course, is false. Uh, there is no uniform agreement on what constitutes socially responsible investing. Concentrated portfolios are more easily dealt with when they occur within tax-qualified accounts. Well, that one's true, because you can do all sorts of selling and reinvesting without tax issues. A portfolio is considered concentrated if the largest holding is 75% or more of the value of the portfolio. That, of course, is false because there is no standard or legal definition as to what constitutes a concentrated portfolio.